From MIT Technology Review, I'm Laurel Ruma, and this is Business Lab, the show that helps business leaders make sense of new technologies coming out of the lab and into the marketplace. Our topic today is architecting networks. From cell tower to device, 5G is helping connect people and spark innovation with a reliable, fast, and scalable network. And this means big opportunities for consumers and enterprises. Two words for you, next, next generation. My guest is Raj Savor, the Vice President of Network Analytics and Automation at AT&T Labs. This podcast is produced in partnership with Infosys Cobalt. Welcome, Raj. Thank you, Laurel. Uh, I'm delighted to be here with you today. So AT&T Labs has a long history of innovation. How is it now building that next generation of networks in a cloud-driven, digital-driven world? Great question, and it's something uh, we spend a lot of time uh, thinking about. And uh, you know, every uh, technology turn uh, is different. We are certainly leaning into this change to 5G networks and, and a lot of uh, increased fiber penetration in our networks. Leaning back on our culture of innovation, our, our history and legacy, and, and particularly adapting to change as we've, we've gone through so many uh, generational changes. It is a unique period. We are uh, investing both in uh, the 5G wireless network, at the same time uh, expanding our footprint of fiber optics further into the network, closer to our consumers um, and businesses. You know, we are seeing a rapid adoption and unprecedented demand for bandwidth, you know, from our uh, both consumer and enterprise uh, customers. Usage, for example, in the home is increasing. It's going to increase five times over the next five years. Uh, we saw some of that occurring during the pandemic. A number of devices in the home are rapidly increasing. Uh, just as a statistic, uh, currently uh, we estimate the average consumer home you know, footprint has about 13 connected devices, uh, including mobile and other uh, devices in the home. And that's going to increase to 30 to 40 devices over the next uh, five years. So really big increase. And this needs um, advanced network architectures to both support, manage, and, and provide uh, fast, secure, and reliable services. And, and our approach is uh, evolutionary. And that's primarily because we are a existing very large network that has gone through so many generational changes. And when we introduce a next generational architecture, we have to be cognizant of the existing infrastructure and work that incrementally. So it's not like a brand new greenfield overlay build. It is that uh, incremental approach and it's never a single switch. And, and we look at it as a journey. So there are a lot of steps that we've taken over the past few years, build on it, and, and, and we are prepared for that next uh, step function. Some of those steps include just making that network more stable and reliable and with with great coverage to touch all those households, right? Correct. You know, I think the foundation comes with our connectivity. So to make sure, you know, coverage and reach of the network, you know, be it the, uh, the radio frequency uh, coverage or, or the fiber optics uh, to the edge, um, you know, begins there. Uh, but it doesn't stop there. There, there is a lot of additional elements 
to managing you know the reliability as well as attributes of that uh, a complete customer experience and and we are shifting from just you know single uh, dimensional views of connectivity to a experiential and a secure and and you know how we define reliability in a much broader context so that needs a lot more uh, architectural forethought uh, in how we design and deliver ultimately. And so what will that shift to 5G mean for innovation for consumers and enterprises? Um, so, um, you know, um, just to kind of maybe you know, step back in our past uh, generations of change and we'll, we'll talk um, you know, wireless, you know, in the first few generations, it was all about mobility and, and basic connectivity for voice, went to messaging, early data. And then when we went from 3G to um, LTE or the fourth generation, it was about speed. As we kind of look at where we are in terms of where the customers are driving us uh, for 5G, that is all about immersive experiences. And this requires uh, lower latencies, uh, which is the actual time it takes for a video to start or a download to begin of, of, your, of your next application, or an interactive session that you have um, that may be in high definition or in an AR or VR uh, mode. It also needs lower jitter, which means lower variability in that experience. Um, you also need a lot more security and uh, reliability. Um, the security, because there's a lot of a device, personal device, is basically an extension of our persona. You know, many of our lives are entwined in that device. So privacy information, protection of that device, uh, protection of the data in the device become equally important uh, over the network channel. So, so those are the requirements that our customers are demanding, and that can really be met in the 5G uh, network architecture. And, and this includes, besides the connectivity capabilities, it is uh, bringing the um, cloud-native application platforms closer to the edge of the network. And it's an architecture that does require a use of a lot more automation and uh, infusion of AI and ML-driven approaches to provide that customer experience that is needed. At the end of the day, we expect the consumers to be able to consume more of those immersive interactive applications, say, rendered in that edge cloud. Uh, This could be in a venue. uh, It could be in their homes. It could be, um, you know, when they're using a 5G-powered wearable device. Uh, It could be in a connected car um, running in a smart city. And when we kind of look at all of these different use cases, uh, there's also a need for seamless transitions. So from 5G to Wi-Fi and so on. So so that is part of the uh, overall uh, network design and thinking that goes into into our perspective. And again, you know, security and and is is also paramount. Uh, We constantly hear from our customers how important that is. And that is a cornerstone of how we are approaching it. And AI and ML-based approaches allow us to to provide these threat analytics and security uh, for that experience. Yeah, and that's a really good point. The network is now much bigger than it ever was. So it reaches to the edge, which is every single device that uses a connection, pretty much. And so when you are on your cell phone at a 
football, soccer game, um, you expect to be able to look up scores or watch the latest play, you also tend to expect that real-time access to that information, to those video streams, to the data. And um, that is you know, one example, but we're also talking about industrial uses as well. Um, and my favorite is still, you know, reaching out to uh, oil platforms or planes or ships. Like the edge could be actually so many different nodes that we actually have to broaden our definition of what network means, correct? Absolutely. And, and, and we certainly see the adoption of 5G and, and the edge technologies, you know, beginning uh, at the enterprise. And I think the enterprise and industrial um, adoption kind of then is, you know, driving it further to consumer. You know, different generation of technologies have either begun at the consumer or at the uh, at the uh, enterprise level. Uh, 5G uh, uniquely because of its uh, the nature of uh, adoption of the edge uh, cloud capabilities. And we refer to it uh, an industry acronym called MEC, which is multi-access edge compute effectively bringing uh, cloud compute storage um, uh, analytics capabilities uh, and applications uh, closer to the um, uh, uh, those industrial applications. So this is an area that we've really focused on, uh, and it's, again, um, o- o- multiple years. We have a, uh, AT&T has a 5G innovation studio um, where we have structured it um, to, to bring in our uh, enterprise customers uh, and their um, problem statements and use cases. And we bring in startups and other partners to put together what those uh, solutions would be um, uh, to address those uh, blind spots or problem statements in connectivity and applications. And, and those are frequently um, uh, take use of industrial IoT, um, Internet of Things. It's where uh, automation and industrial robots um, need a hyper-precision on, on location, and the network actually enables that. Uh, also, there's a lot of video analytics to do um, assessment of safety issues within locations. And the video analytics can be run very, very close proximity to the uh, industrial application and provide that real-time feedback uh, we talked about in the consumer space. So um, it allows quality of service and uh, speed and latency, low latency of 5G, as well as security compared to uh, unlicensed spectrum and other um, network technologies is an enabler uh, for uh, those industrial use cases. Uh, you mentioned drones. Um, that's another uh, emerging area. There's a, a need for autonomous control uh, with low latency. And again, the network is an enabler um, uh, natively for that. So, yeah, we do see you know many uh, adoption across various verticals, uh, healthcare, transportation, manufacturing, a smart city, a lot of sensor n- network-driven uh, opportunities. And one of those examples is first net, a way to for first responders to connect in, during an emergency where other lines of communications may be down. Yes, it's an area we're very uh, proud to support and uh, be the network for our uh, first responders. So, so FirstNet is, and, and there's a FirstNet authority um, that manages this network. It's a nationwide dedicated platform, 
And it was purposefully built uh, for the first responders and really the extended uh, public safety community that includes our healthcare system. And um, the mission is fairly unique, uh, as you can imagine, relative to consumers or enterprises that, that have their needs. And uh, we were able to bring all those requirements into kind of a, uh, think about it from a kind of a common platform perspective. And uh, and it does have an element that is you know, different where it's from a mission critical perspective, there is no uh, higher priority than, than the public safety mission. And uh, the First Street Authority kind of enables this by enabling specific devices that are um, customized for the First Street experience, as well as application. It actually has an application developer program uh, as well. Uh, one part uh, of the mission that you know, we are highly focused on is the resiliency of that network and the network resources needed, not just on any a normal day, but um, you know when you have that disaster, uh, when you have a, a hurricane or other natural disaster impacting a lot of the infrastructure, and in those cases, you know we have you know, extended our network to take advantage of other resources. Like we have cell towers on light trucks that are mobile that that are placed and then integrate seamlessly back with our network. There's also some early work with drones um, to provide uh, coverage. And we are not just looking at kind of tactically, um, when we look at it strategically. So part of this need for first responder innovation is because of the changes of climate and the pressures with this kind of environmental challenges that are being seen not just here in North America, but around the world. Yeah, we, you know, uh, network resiliency is, is one of those uh, implicit goals for our network design and particularly for the uh, public safety mission. So, um, so we've been looking at a lot of historical data of natural disasters and the impacts, uh, but also uh, modeling for um, future and, and modeling on the future risks of driven by climate change, where, um, you know, you can have events with a high wind, you know, three foot floods. Uh, or, 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 or higher. And uh, what does that mean for our network? Uh, where should we design, um, you know, make design changes? Where would we build the, the next generation of uh, cell towers? And how do you ensure an overall uh, resiliency under those conditions? So, so that is a important part of the mission and how we're thinking about network design and architectures. Uh, and it is um, really not even for the next three years, uh, we are thinking about the next 20 and 50 years. So mm. uh, network investments take a long time and, and we want to make those investments with the engineering economics in mind, but also very much ensuring the most reliable network offering. And you mentioned artificial intelligence and machine learning um, in a previous question. What are some ways that AT&T is using AI and ML or thinking about deploying artificial intelligence? Um, no, great, great question, and and also a very timely one. As a, a company, we have had researchers working on AI for many years. Um, with the you know advent of a lot more compute power and a lot more finer grain data, the opportunity space has really opened up over the last um, you know I would say you know five years. Um, it does play a very significant role at 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 and T. And again, uh, we have approached AI, uh, you know, in, in an evolutionary way on how we infuse it. 
So first, um, the way we think about it is, um, you know, AI is uh, really the engine and the fuel is the data. So it really begins with how we want to um, collect data and learn from it. Um, and, and that's where a lot of the machine learning capabilities come in. Uh, we have been investing in a lot of big data management capabilities um, over the past few years, ensuring that those are well exposed to our AI engines. Uh, our chief data officer in particular has worked very hard to establish a, a kind of a democratized um, uh, ecosystem for both the data and AI capability. And there's a step function here that in complexity, as the amount of data increases, particularly um, you know, with 5G, and we get kind of finer grain visibility, and, and we have a lot more intelligent controls to then apply decisions. Uh, so we're kind of taking, uh, taking those steps um, in that you know, evolutionary uh, way. Internally, um, you know, we have um, you know, many um, uh, you know, use cases, uh, including how we can use uh, AI for planning functions, AI for our design decisions, but also in real time to help our um, you know, customers, uh, as well as the network uh, under various scenarios to provide better efficiency, better customer experiences, detect security threats, uh, the threat analytics, as well as, uh, you know, how to kind of use feedback loops to kind of uh, constantly optimize um, the network. So uh, a lot of use cases across the life cycle. And speaking of that sort of focus on security, which is uh, top of mind for most executives these days, but not only security, AI and automation also are playing that really important role for 5G functionality. So what kind of, of other ways is that coming into play right now with the capabilities of 5G? Yeah, um, again, uh, this is, um, you know, very, very uh, uh, timely and, and uh, very active uh, work area. So I'll, let me kind of give you some context on how, how we are structured um, in, in, in thinking about 5G. Uh, we think about it kind of day zero, day one, day two. Uh, day zero is the planning activities and forecasting. I can see some natural ways where AI and machine learning can help you improve your forecasting. There's your day one, which is actually your building and designing your network, and you want to um, do it with the greatest efficiency. Again, the feedback loops and reinforced learning kind of helps you do that, as well as you know use of deep learning uh, technology to analyze maps and geospatial data to de to determine where you want to have buried fiber optics and where you want to place a small cell versus a macro cell. So there's a lot of the building engineering where, where um, we rely heavily on, on um, uh, um, AI, deep learning, and neural networks. And then there's a life cycle, which we call day two. And in that, um, there are opportunities for things like uh, energy savings, where we are trying to optimize the energy footprint of our equipment. Uh, again, uh, both a corporate priority, but also I think a societal priority on, on the carbon footprint. And we see great opportunities for, again, entering economics, but also helping, uh, helping the planet. Uh, from a 5G technology perspective itself, um, there is an opportunity in what we refer to as beam forming. Uh, beam forming is basically optimizing how the um, uh, the actual coverage for, for consumers is improved to to mitigate some of the impacts of, of fading and path loss. And the context aware beam forming, uh, along with what we call MIMO, 
which is a very efficient way of transmission, uh, requires us to understand where is the demand, uh, to, to determine where are the customers who are consuming uh, or, or using our service located. And we want to be hyper-precise in that geolocation to, to optimize that uh, beamforming. Uh, is the consumer stationary? Is the consumer moving, uh, is walking at three miles an hour? or um, you know, riding uh, in, in a connected car. So um, that information um, to kind of guide uh, beamforming is, again, a um, natural native 5G uh, AI opportunity. And that is certainly part of this kind of complex web that companies need to really start thinking about. So there's an architectural challenge there to bring together cloud computing, edge computing, 5G, and then a focus on customer experience. So as much as you have customers, you're also quite concerned about your customers' customers Correct. and how they're experiencing these products. Um, yes. And so we, we absolutely kind of, um, you know, see, you know, you know, you know, while we have a, uh, you know, direct relationship with consumers in, in many cases, uh, it is a, um, you know, B2B to C where, where we have a relationship with a connected car company and then they will have a relationship with the consumer or we would have with the transportation infrastructure provider and they would have the relationship uh, or, or uh, with, with uh, similar other verticals. So, um, so, so that is a, um, you know, uh, inherently kind of a part of uh, some of the opportunities that, that um, uh, you know, we are able to drive um, from this architecture. One of those capabilities is uh, what we refer to as network APIs, which is we derive intelligence from our network and then make it available via APIs from that cloud infrastructure to a application platform for them to further optimize for their unique applications and their consumers. So it's an emerging area. It does require standardization, but you know, while um, you know, there's going to be um, you know, many steps to um, mature this, we are pretty excited. And the early results tell us that the uh, overall ecosystem is very um, hungry for um, the type of analytics and, and, and data to optimize those uh, end user experiences. So the cloud has played you know, such a pivotal role for numerous industries to build that kind of resiliency that we've sort of been threading through this conversation, but then also drive innovation. So when you think about, and you mentioned not just the next three to five years, but the next 30 to 50 years, in a smaller scope, what technological advancements excite you the most? What's on that horizon? You know, first, I think we've um, benefited from a few of the uh, industry, I'll call them laws, um, you know, certainly Moore's Law that, that we all um, have enjoyed, increased computing power at lower costs, effectively where we are with growth in storage and cloud um, capabilities. And then there's the other part, which is the demand part, which is the um, uh, consumer appetite uh, for increased consumption. Uh, some of it is behavioral, some of it is autonomous as they adopt devices with high resolution. Uh, effectively, that drives uh, the consumption, both downlink and uplink. Um, so so the, the trends that I'm uh, following and I'm expecting will kind of be the, um, the drivers for the, for the future is, First, like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, we were expecting you know, usage uh, to increase fivefold in five years and, and 
you know, while I don't have a crystal ball quite beyond um, the next five years, I, I, I don't see any reason why that wouldn't continue, particularly in bi-directional communication, especially with those immersive VR, AR experiences. The number of connected devices and devices just around us, whether it's wearables, uh, in our uh, automobile, uh, in our home, is going to double or triple. Um, so, so we expect that trend to also drive effectively the quality of our lives um, uh, and kind of you know, really um, uh, operating uh, in every um, phase of our day. So, so I see um, sensors uh, increasing, uh, and I think mm-hmm. um, not just kind of in the home, uh, but also uh, in smart cities and in the, the public domain, and a seamless opportunity between our home, work, transportation, and 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 places that that we visit. So, uh, it's going to be increasingly driving that seamless experiences uh, that I that I'm uh, excited about. So. It certainly is going to be an exciting, uh, exciting future. It sure is. Thank you so much, Raj, for joining us on the Business Lab. Thank you, Laurel. That was Raj Savor, the Vice President of Network Analytics and Automation at AT&T Labs, who I spoke with from Cambridge, Massachusetts, the home of MIT and MIT Technology Review, overlooking the Charles River. That's it for this episode of Business Lab. I'm your host, Laurel Ruma. I'm the Director of Insights, the custom publishing division of MIT Technology Review. We were founded in 1899 at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And you can find us in print, on the web, and at events each year around the world. For more information about us and the show, please check out our website, at technologyreview.com. This show is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll take a moment to rate and review us. Business Lab is a production of MIT Technology Review. This episode was produced by Collective Next. Thanks for listening.